Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. But the hijinks don't stop. And the poop jokes. Then I said, who's discount? David Schwimmer. Then he said, and the score is great. <laughs> then I said, the main bad guy? And he said, the brother and the twin combo. Hello. This is the worst idea of all time. This is an emergency season of a podcast that sees two Kiwi comedians watch and review the same movie over and over again for lols. Not for reals, just for laughs. We spent a whole year watching Grown Ups 2, which is an Adam Sandler movie, which is in the single digits on Rotten Tomatoes. Then we spent 12 months watching and reviewing on a weekly basis Sex in the City 2, a much derided film. Then we took a short detour to a non-sequel film. We watched We Are Your Friends, which was an attempt at a Zac Efron art house film, and it was beloved by none. It performed historically badly in the box office. We then watched Sex in the City 1, going back to the origins of our, our worst season, sort of the precursor, the seeds of what made it so bad. And that movie was also very bad and very long. We watched that for a year. Now, we're in the middle of a global pandemic, locked in our houses, and we decided to watch a film that in some ways mirrored that effect, which is Home Alone 3, a very insular movie about being in a house. Mm. I'm Tim Bat. This is Guy Montgomery. Hello, Guy. Hello, Tim. What a wonderful preamble and summation of our work and our thesis so far. Hey, what would you say if I told you that what I just described covered six years of my life? Yeah, more of all of our lives. Uh, it's not... I mean... We're not helping. 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. Yeah, six. 14, 15, 16, 18, 19. This is the seventh? Oh. <laughs> so at seven years old, let me tell you what what your child can do mm-hmm. at seven what years old. What developmental stage they're at. 
I'm just looking it up. Um, oh, okay. Well, they're talking, obviously. They've got object permanence. Hopefully, they can walk. Yeah. Motor development. Their hand-eye coordination is well-developed. They've got good balance. They can execute simple gymnastics moves, such as somersaults. They use a vocabulary of several thousand words. Demonstrate a longer attention span. Tim, I would say this movie has uh, quite actively upset my attention span. This movie, this, this, this project, this enterprise... How do you think our gymnastics and vocab skills are? Is is I I think I think our vocabulary is is being rewarded for our labour. I think it's had a detrimental effect on my gymnastic skills. If I compile all the hours spent and imagine that I was learning how to do some sort of basic gymnastics routine, that's something that's been taken away from me and that I will probably never get around to now. And I used to love gymnastics. After I saw Rush Hour 2, I taught myself how to jump up off the ground on my back. I taught myself how to do a running forward flip. I taught myself how to do a front handspring, a round off. I couldn't put them all into one swift run of movement, but I taught myself those independently. They were all a bit gammy. I didn't didn't have an instructor. Yeah. At what age could you, you do a sprint? A sprinting uh, front flip. That's incredible. Until about 20. Wow. Maybe even longer. Did you have to pick up a lot of speed before you could do it? Uh, I think mentally I did, but you don't actually have to. It's more about timing and uh, your speed of rotation. But you're a little gymnastics-y as well, aren't you? I don't think I am anymore, which is disappointing. I just remember we went to a whiskey bar in downtown Los Angeles and we were coming in pretty hot, and it was a pretty popular bar full of American people, and you cleared a space on the dance floor and did like a, what was almost a backflip? No, it was probably a, a like a a front, um, what are they called? A handspring. Anyway you slice it, I was on the level enough with you to think, this looked really cool, but with hindsight, what? probably happened was two really drunk New Zealand guys came in and stressed everyone out by almost injuring themselves in a bar. No, no, no. Well, first of all, I did injure myself quite significantly, if you remember. I popped my knee out on that particular dance floor, which really hindered the rest of the um, winter trip. I remember dragging my ass around Washington, D.C. with a gammy knee in the cold Mm. and uh, determined to walk the national, what is it called? Monument promenade. Monument Mile? The parade? There's a word for it. I've forgotten what it is. Every American will know what it is, but that's fine. Lucky them. How do we get by without that information? God only mm. knows. Tim, at seven years old, we should use serious logical thinking, be thoughtful and reflective. We should mm. be able to understand reasoning and make the right decisions. <laughs> We should be able to tell time, know the days, months, and seasons, describe points See, of similarity between two objects. We had it and we've lost it. We definitely don't have sound judgment, and I don't think our sense of time is improving. I think it's getting worse. We should be able to solve more complex problems. <laughs> no, that's not happening either. We should desire to be perfect and be quite self-critical. Oh, that's an interesting one. We should worry more. Self have maybe have self have low self confidence, tend to complain with strong emotional reactions. This is in our wheelhouse. Understand the difference between right and wrong. That one less so. Take direction well. Needs punishment. 
Only really. We take punishment twice or thrice weekly. <laughs> Do we need it? Do you feel like we need that punishment? Uh, no. I think not. I had a pretty allergic reaction to Home Alone 3 on this, our eighth screening. Mm-hmm. Just your classic. T- I- hey, tell me about it, stud. Oh, thanks, man. Um, I had the laptop away from me so that I couldn't touch it and distract myself. I had my phone away from me. I was like, I'm, I'm going bareback. I'm going old school. I'm fucking mainlining this thing. And my brain, I couldn't receive what was happening on screen. Instead, I just like thought of other things. I think we're in a time of transition here in New Zealand. And so there was quite a lot. There was quite fertile thinking ground to sow. But I just could, I could not get it into me. There are a few, like there are a few moments that stood out. I mean, you know, sure. There are always going to be a few moments that stand out. But this was the equivalent of having the TV on in the background while also having nothing else to do. That is painful, what you've just described. I think I'm probably at that stage as well. I had to split the viewing um, in half, which was a bit naughty, but I watched half of it yesterday and the second half this morning. How the great John Hughes intended. I will say this. This is our last episode where we are not riding together. This is... uh, Is that a fact? It's a fact. We are legally bound, obligated, and allowed to sit next to one each one another, put the Home Alone 3 DVD in the DVD machine, and fucking... Yeah, that's the process we've been adhering to, isn't it? Settle up and watch this and discuss this next to each other. This is our last remote record, and I think... It couldn't come at a better time. It's what the movie needs, is companionship. Alex yeah. Pruitt is home alone. He has the company of Doris, a mouse, and yeah. a very intelligent parrot. He is mistrusted by everyone in his inner circle, and that feeling of isolation is something with which I can identify as I have also been watching this movie while home alone. Tim... What about Home Together? What about fucking Home Together 3? Or in our case, Did you... Home Alone, Home Together, 9, 3. <laughs> Did you see that a bunch of Australian comedians have made a show called Home Alone Together? It's just oh, come yeah, out. I did. I was like, hey, what, what the fuck? And they've used the Home Alone logo and everything. Oh, really? It looks quite funny, though. Yeah. Well, I think so. They're definitely referencing it. I watched sure. I, um, I watched a good trailer for it where they were, someone was baking a loaf of bread and then it kept getting passed from house to house and everyone had a very different practical application for the loaf of bread. For some people, it was a phone. For others, it was a toilet roll. And I thought, this is the right tone. I'm interested to see where this show goes. I There's tell you, very good people involved. What I wasn't interested to see... Home Alone 3? The journey of young Alex Pruitt. But I will say the this. Journey again. Yeah. Before I badmouth the good people of Home Alone 3, the original score transition between Alex's walk home after shoveling snow for Mrs. Hess and the crooks arriving in their car on his street 
is sensational. While Alex walks home, he's been he hasn't been paid by Mrs. Hess. She's given him a car so that he can't say to the neighborhood she ripped him off. And there's this sort of pensive, almost Forrest Gump-esque motif. You know that... Oh, wow, yeah. I haven't thought about that in ages. It's it's similar to that. And he's walking over, and it's sort of this reflective, uh, instrumental, piano-style uh, riff that puts us in the mind of young Alex Pruitt. I think he's, you know, he's... I mean, his life's pretty good. I don't know why we're meant to feel melancholy, but to some extent we do. That is the tone of the music. And then as he clears the street and gets onto the other side of the sidewalk, it suddenly becomes much more sinister and sort of, it's like it's the sound of crooks surveying a neighborhood. And it's a really seamless transition. It's one piece of music. It's beautifully executed. And then they pan back to Alex arriving home. And this is a real touch of class. They layer the two instrumental riffs over one another. And finally, in that moment, Home Alone 3 becomes the fully realized movie that it is. It's a blend of these sort of the serious, you know, uh, Tom Foolery, Tom Foolery, international enterprise, and a young boy getting up to all sorts of undeniably fatal and deadly hijinks. Yeah. So um, I didn't actually look up who composed that, but fucking shout out to them. Well, it's interesting you bring that up because I was talking to our friend, New Zealand comedian David Corios yesterday, and he was just sort of checking in. I, I can't remember what triggered the convo, and he was like, what are you up to? And I said, oh, I'm just about to tuck into a bit of Home Alone 3. And uh, he said, is it bad to tell you that's my favorite Home Alone? And then I said... Dude, this movie sucks. <laughs> and then he said, that's the first one I watched. Discount David Schwimmer. Also, how they really upped the ante with proper diehard-style supervillains. But the hijinks don't stop. And the poop jokes. Then I said, who's Discount David Schwimmer? Then he said, and the score is great. <laughs> then I said, the main bad guy? And he said, the brother and the twin combo. Then I said, there's no twins. Then he said, aren't there? Or are they related? Or do they both just have dark short hair and are white? <laughs> and then he attached a screenshot of Burton Jernigan. And Earl Unger. And, and then another screenshot of uh, David Schwimmer. And I said, oh, Burton Jernigan. Yeah, good call. He's got the most piercing eyes. And then David said, what else has he been in? And then I said, Twin Peaks. And that's about it. And he said, oh. And then attached a recent photo of Lenny Don Vernon, Verlin, Verlin, I think that is, um, who plays Burton Jernigan, and said, damn, he's a silver fox now. And then I said, yeah, dog, he's a total honey. And that is our communique in totality. That's so I think we should get David on. That sounds like a segment called David Correspondence, where he dispatches <laughs> his yeah. pearls of wisdom from a, a childhood gone by. I really like his notes. I also like the way he remembers movies. I, I, when I hear people talking about like books they've read or TV shows they've watched or movies they've seen, and the the vivid memories they have of, the, I guess I have it with certain films, but it makes me feel like I'm consuming things incorrectly. You undeniably are. I don't mean. Uh, I don't mean in this podcast specifically. I mean in my wider life. I see. Like I don't. 
I don't remember the details like that. I mean, I guess his his was a little hazy, but he remembers the score. He remembers like there was a brilliant. He thought there were twins in this film. I could understand why you think that he was a kid when he watched it, and once you yeah, get that yeah. idea in your head, you know that's just how it is as you grow up. Yeah, Burton Jernigan and Erlanger could be brothers, mismatched brothers. Yeah, can I just say for this watch as well that like every watch, I come to love Erlanger more and more. Yeah, I think that he plays this movie so perfectly. It's like a, a a David Stern level of self-awareness where he knows exactly the level of bad guy to facilitate, you know, buy-in for the movie, but just oh so silly and taking every opportunity to be as funny as possible. He is fucking dynamite. He is so really good. to me now. I think one thing I don't quite know about on David's note is there aren't that many poo jokes, are there? I think there are more, um, there are more, penis, re- there are more penis jokes. Yeah. I think that's what he's sort of filed in his head with Alex's slammed the toilet seat on his thing again. I think yeah. he's kind of put it into the bathroom humor. And there's also, uh, you know, uh, Mr. Beaupre gets his ghoulies absolutely thwacked by a mechanical boxing glove out of the, uh, the what are we called? The cupboard? What's a, what's a, oh, yeah. What's a cupboard where you keep your jackets called? I don't know. What is that called? It's it's not a wardrobe and uh, and a coat a coat like a coat space a, a coat space yeah that's what it's called and also <laughs> and Alex does some fantastic eye acting there where he goes cross-eyed and sort of communicates not empathy oh, but a, just an understanding that when you get whacked in the ghoulies it really hurts and then later on Burton it's a Jernig- made for trailer Burton moment. Jernigan gets absolutely poleaxed in the testes by Alice Ribbons with a hockey stick and yeah. he gives a Thanks very he gives a very funny read on it he says. You smacked my winky. Yeah, but before that, that sustained note that he sings. I'm going to say sings because it is like a musical note when he gets hit in the nuts. It's impressive. Yeah. He belts it out. I reckon he's got a bit of musical chops. Wouldn't be surprised. I, I mean, do you think that these guys were excited to be in Home Alone 3? What was the press? What was the buzz? What was the feeling on set? Did they think... Before I forget... Because you brought it up, that moment where Alex does the kind of like um, he's looking around the corner and sees Mister Bupre get get socked. That bit where he whips his head back out of the frame happens so quickly, like it's a beautiful kind of comedy moment. That camera, act, well, the camera's actually through. It's totally his action where he pops into frame, does a little expression, and then jumps himself out it happened so quick that i've been watching it for the last three watches trying to figure out if someone had a hand on his collar to yank him back i because i don't think you could achieve that speed without i wonder whether or not he uh it could be a thing because it's just him in the frame there's no other moving part and so you just shoot it in regular speed and then you you accelerate it in the edit True. Yeah that could work there are a few cartoonish moments like that one that really jumped out to me the first time this movie I guess I mean it's all it's always cartoonish, but like when uh, they're escaping the first house after Alex has called the cops and the cops are coming around and that you know they've been alerted early enough that they can escape and Mister Beaupre doesn't have to hide on the in the roof. The car's driving past. Mister Beaupre walks out very casually, and the car's going pretty quickly. And Mister Beaupre, it's like a glitch or something. Yeah, it's like because uh, to that point everything had been done in quite a realistic style, and then. 
He the car drives past. You see him in front it's of the a car. Van. It's a van. Big and then van. All of a sudden, he's in the van. I think, I think that's inaccurate. And if it's not, I would love to see the footage inside of the van because that would be a very clumsy landing. Yeah, I mean, look, this is Hollywood magic, guy. This is the magic of the movies. <laughs> this, is, this is what in the nineties. Do you remember this turn of phrase? A camera trick. We don't say that anymore because everything's generated by computers. But back then. You know, you were trying to discern what or what wasn't a camera trick in the film. Yeah. That was definitely a camera trick, I think. Of course. A marvel of editing. Huge shout out to our countryman, Peter Jackson, for creating one of the great camera tricks, Force Perspective. An old, it was the original camera trickster. An old fa- Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Favorite. Tim, I'd like to draw some sort of parallel between this film and Sex in the City 2 and comparing okay. Charlie, the unseen boss of Harland Williams, Karen, and Tom, Miranda's yeah. hardline, sexist pig of a man boss. I thought that Charlie brought it this week. I thought his performance was on the money. The idea of the actor delivering these lines was fantastic. The audio mix, it's the perfect volume. It reads exactly like the other half of a phone conversation that you can overhear inside of the house because the volume on the phone is slightly too loud. The lines he's got are as follows. Billing just called. He's on his way in to review his portfolio. Leaving Friday. You know we can't cancel. This is all he had to act. This is like he's got no one to go against. Harvland's not coming in to read against this guy. Mary Lou's not who he expects to see. Now, you're the point person on this. Look, look, you gave me your word you could handle this. Well, it's not my fault you can't find a babysitter. Fine. Karen, and then she fucking gives him what for. But... I don't necessarily like the guy, and I understand he's a heel. You know, he's an important prop in uh, this movie's effort to establish itself as one of the foremost feminist texts of the late 90s. Uh, no cosign. I was with you and you lost me, but continue. But I think it's a really strong performance. I think I haven't seen who the actor is, but I think the guy really brings it. To be just a voice and have such a clearly defined character and responsibility in the film 
And, I mean, this credit's got to be spread evenly here. We've got to give credit to the screenwriter. We've got to give credit to the sound engineer. We've got to give credit to the actor themselves. That's three bits of credit. So <laughs> It wouldn't shock me to hear that it was the sound engineer on the day. Doing, that, doing the that, line delivery. I reckon that happens all the time. Someone calls in sick. They, they forgot to hire someone, whatever, and the guy's like, oh, fuck, I'll do it. Absolutely not. This is a trained professional. This guy fucking brings it day in, day out. I don't like him. I don't like Charlie. I think he's a bad boss. I think he's probably a bad yep. guy. I think he's definitely I, got something going on with Mary Lou. Yeah, definitely there is some chemistry there. But I think that Charlie is nothing more than a cog in an evil machine. He's as much a victim of the capitalist system that they're a part of as anyone. No. He's got underlings, sure, but he's got overlings as well, putting pressure down on him. He's being forced to be a bad man. This is the problem with the system. It makes bad people of us all. No, Charlie needs to stick his neck out, all right? Charlie has got multiple employees at his disposal who can handle the billing account. He knows full well that Karen is at home with a sick kid. You can't you can't put that sort of pressure on your employees. What's that going to do for group morale? The client is coming in for a meeting. He expects Karen. He has been dealing with Karen. This is a lot of money on the line, guy. You're telling There's me that this client has no understanding of basic empathy, that sometimes your kids get sick and you have to stay at home? Charlie's asking you to if find he, a babysitter he, on a work day. Kids are at school. He is an other people are working. Which we are led to believe he is. He probably doesn't have any empathy. He's probably a psychopath. Well, it could be Bernie Madoff. They could be dealing literally with Bernie Madoff's account. You don't fuck around with Bernie Madoff. I think, and he doesn't care if you got a sick kid at home. You do. You do fuck around with Bernie Madoff. No way, man. Too much money at stake. You fuck around with Bernie Madoff. Bernie Madoff will fuck around with you. It's not real money, Tim. Also, the year is nineteen ninety-seven. Is Enron going great guns? In what respect? Everyone's like, Enron's good, right? Oh, Enron. Enron is going great guns. 97, we're contemplating opening up into the broadband market. We're thinking of video on demand delivery to the United States. What what, what do they call it? The the top 40. Can you tell me, um, what's the elevator pitch for Enron? Why should I put my money there? Enron started as an energy company but now is a dreams factory we dream we come up with ideas we revolutionize industries they um they basically like they managed to um turn the energy market into a stock market so they were trading states energy supplies around with like day traders and um it made the whole thing incredibly risky. A lot of people died in rolling blackouts because they kept whipping the power off in California to generate higher prices. And then it turns out they didn't have any good fundamental product in the business. So when a reporter started sniffing around as to why they were the like largest company in America by market capitalization, the whole thing collapsed within about, I think from memory, three weeks of the article coming Holy out. And the shit. article was like a tiny like page seven. That um is 
Yeah. Really good. That is a, an incredible forebear for Theranos, which essentially provided the same thing. Only instead of being an energy startup, it was a... Enron, Enron took down so many more people. And what was really sad is Enron had been going around buying up all of these little energy companies around the state. So... These companies that had existed for generations, for decades and decades. And provided genuine value. Yeah, they were like intergenerational servicemen who were like, my dad was a linesman for this company and his dad was a linesman and I am a linesman for For this company. And then Enron bought them and then fucking collapsed and they all lost their retirements, their 401ks. Terrible stuff. I had to see that. Do you know the other thing that's taking place in the background of this movie that has not gotten a mention or a look? What? Uh, it's 1997, Tim. It's uh, Christmas. It's just after Christmas, 97, 98. I'll tell you what's fucking happening. Michael Jordan's purported final season with the Chicago Bulls as he attempts to repeat a three-peat for the first time in NBA history. We're in Illinois. This should be front and fucking center. 100%. It's unbelievable to me that we'd spend this time in Chicago when literally the center of the popular culture universe exists around the world of the film, and we're supposed to believe that all fucking Alex Pruitt wants to do is kill four thieves? In, 19, in 1997, I was wearing Bulls merch in Christchurch, New Zealand. Fucking hell. Unfreaking believable They were good hats, man. It's a powerful logo for a kid, that angry bull. The color red, nice. It's all it's aggressive. It's all good stuff. But I'll tell you what is happening in the background of this film. Again, we don't see it, but we we know about it. Mm. Some agents are sharp. Some agents are blunt. But you've never been, you've never seen such a useless cunt as Stucky. It's stuck with Stucky. What's happening in today's Stuck with Stucky, Guy Montgomery? Well, Stucky comes into work after a pretty rough day at the office, if you'll recall. Involving a coffee stain and a full-scale brawl amongst the amnesia agents. Of course, his boss came in and said, Stucky! Anyway, Stucky sheepishly trots his way into his office and he's fearful that he's going to get an absolute fucking telling off at the hands of his boss. His boss calls him into the office. As soon as he arrives, Stucky braces himself, expecting the worst. He walks in. The boss looks Stucky square in the eyes and he says... What the hell are you doing in my office? And Stucky says, what? Sorry, no, I've come in. You told me to come in here. And the boss says, why would I tell you to come in here when I've never met you before in my life? Uh Uh-oh. Whoa. The boss has amnesia as well now. Oh, my God. This is terrifying. It's alluding to some sort of contagious form of amnesia in the Federal Bureau of Investigation. So the boss says to him, you get out of here. And Stucky leaves, confused. He's rubbing his brow. He's thinking, oh, boy, I'm really up against it today. As he leaves, the boss looks down at his notepad. The top line of his notepad reads, talk to Stucky. The boss looks up and he bellows, Stucky! Stucky! Stucky turns on a dime and returns. The boss says, what are you doing in here? I just dismissed you. Send in Stucky. Stucky says, I am Stucky. And the boss says, I think I'd know Stucky when I see him. Meanwhile, on the ground floor of the high-rise office building at the home of the FBI, 
The amnesia agents are all piling into one lift. The problem? None of them have any idea what floor they're meant to go to. (laughs) So they push every single button in the elevator and all walk off to a day's work at various different companies. One person walks into a chartered accountancy firm. Another person works into a sports agency. Another one walks onto the floor where Enron are operating out of. Yes. Chaos ensues. Meanwhile, Stucky is now walking back into his boss's office with a very obvious fake moustache on. The boss says, Ah, Stucky, just the man I wanted to see. I've called you in here to say, and the boss looks down at his notes, You're doing a terrible job! (laughs) Stucky, trying to take advantage of his boss's newfound medical condition, says, What are you talking about? Just before you said I got a promotion. And the boss says, Okay, now get out of here. Stucky's finally free from his boss and walks into the bullpen where the amnesia agents traditionally wait for their briefing. Only no one is there. Dun, dun, dun! Stuck How with would Stucky. you feel about us producing some short episodes of Stuck with Stucky? Because this is getting me <laughs> juiced up. I'd be pretty into it, man. I got to tell you, it's a fun place to put a little bit of energy. Uh, I didn't, I didn't get to flesh that one out as much as I would have liked, but I think we're on the right track here. I think this is an exciting project. This is a really good intellectual property. We might need to change the character name to avoid any legal ramifications from John Hughes himself, but I think we're on to something. John Hughes is dead, motherfucker. We can take Stuck with Stucky to the moon. To- we can make Stuck with Stucky merch. To the window, to the wall, to my balls are stuck on the wall with Stucky. Um, I love it, man. Let me tell you some stuff. I've brought up my notes. <coughs> the dad is Kevin Kilner. The hot dad. I love that guy. He does he not, not have the have. career that you'd, you'd think he deserves, eh? Exactly. But can I ask you this? Because... The least surprising thing I think I've ever heard in my damn life. Based on that guy's face, what sport do you think he excelled at in college? Lacrosse? Yes, dude. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. He has the most... In fact, I'll tell you, he, he went to uh, Delaney High School and Johns Hopkins University, my, my, in Baltimore. And at Johns Hopkins, he was a member of the national champion lacrosse team. Why? And I don't... Why do people play that one? Americans are so crazy. It's like there were so many great sports in the world, and they said, nah, we got this, and just came up with sports so shit that literally no one else wants to play them with them. And they go, that's okay. If we win within our own community, we're the fucking best. He said from New Zealand, a country that absolutely prides itself on being the best at rugby, a game which four countries play? Absolutely not. Like, so many countries play rugby. The World Cup that happens every four years, that's an actual function of the professional sport. There's no World Cup for American football. There's no World yeah, Cup for lacrosse. Like, true. we play against other countries. Either. We're a sociable bunch. We say, hey, Australia, you play the same sport of us. It might be fun to fucking mix and mingle. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
What else did I write? I wrote down that I'm so sick of hearing the dumbass routine about I left my bread in San Francisco. I left my heart in San Francisco. No one fucking cares. How big to- is this chain? Yeah. Like, for for Pray to be going through someone's house and for them also to have an old Parisian or Parisian bag in which they keep their winter gloves... Also, why is their winter glove bag full of gloves when it's already winter? Get them out of storage. Get them on your hands. You give yourself a chill otherwise. Parisian Incorporated was an American chain of department stores founded and headquartered in Birmingham, Alabama, competing mainly in the established southeastern U.S. market through the 80s against uh, Nordstrom, Newman Marcus, and Gus Meyer, Parisian underwent a series of restructurings and mergers during its 130-year history and was taken over by Profits, spelt with two Fs, Incorporated. It's a fucking good name for a corporation in 1996. Um, so it looks like they are defunct as of 2013, no longer exists. Uh, but this is definitely the right one because it's got that logo on it. That sucks. Why are they in San Francisco at a Parisian store when that is a, a, a store that's mainly focused on the southeast. And also, the airport they are in is so obviously the same airport. When they're leaving and returning, it's both the same airport. I'm sure I'm sure it's Chicago's airport. It's O'Hare, for sure. Yeah, Twice. They probably got a deal. Yeah, yeah. Why would you pay for two? It'd be so expensive to shoot in an airport, I reckon. You have to shut What was down. the budget of this movie? Didn't we figure this out? Like a hundred uh, thirty mil, I think. Home Alone three budget. It is thirty two mil US. Maybach seventy nine. We even did a breakdown. We did a breakdown like one episode ago. Oh, I only yeah, know this because yeah. I've been editing the episodes. Um, you know what's a fucking crazy moment? I think I've brought it up briefly, but man, I just got to highlight it. You know when um, Alex spray paints Mister Bupre and. Uh, then I, I think it's at that moment. Then he leans against the door and he goes, "What a loser!" And then a fucking bandsaw almost kills him. Yeah, that comes through the door. Fuck, that's terrifying. Most of this movie is spoofs and goofs, except there is a running electrical saw that goes straight through the door, mere inches away from an eight-year-old boy. If we're gonna be it talking about things that should scare scary. Alex, guns. This kid's a sociopath. He's got no value on his own life. Like, he is putting himself on the front line and at incredibly high risk. He's totally uncowed by the fact that they've got... I guess... Do you know why he's not afraid of the guns? Why? He's got what they need, and they need him alive. They need him alive. Oh, I see. He knows... (laughs) I thought you were about to bust into a bit of Bismarcky. Oh, no. But, I mean, that would be a great thing to underscore the point. Hey, bad guys, you... (laughs) No, hey, bad guys, I, guess it's backwards. I, I got yeah, what you need. Well. It's a missile chip that could help you dominate the region. <laughs> <laughs> you know how you mentioned before that um, this movie's version of Sex in the City 2's Tom, Is... who does the telephone acting, does a stupendous job. My shining light for this episode, I am thrilled to tell you, fits into this pantheon of off-camera, on-mic voice acting. It is a line delivered with such character and confidence and tonality that it just juts out against the rest of the movie and it forces you to pay attention with pricked ears. The line is, plus special carrot feeding tips, coming up next on Pets on Parade. Oh, nice. I've heard that. I've not zeroed in on it, but I've heard it, and it's a great shining light. 
you've got to zero in on it. It's so good. Well, you know what? It's what Mrs. Hess is watching just before Alex fucks around changing the channel. And puts on Jamie Foxx. My shining light was someone who represented myself in the film. It's not every day that I get to see someone who I identify so closely with. It's the TSA agent who could not be paying less attention. It's like they they go to specifically a cutaway of the agent who's meant to be observing whatever's going through the x-ray machine. And this guy has a fucking thousand-yard stare. He's got a glazed-over look in his eyes. This guy has definitely burned one down for jar, rolled into his job, and does not give one flying hoot about the safety of these passengers. And honestly, do you want to- why would you? You're not going to save anyone. I, I I swear to you I'm not saying this to be nitpicky. I'm saying it out of a point of interest. Do you know that that's not a TSA official? Because we've normalized it so much, but the TSA didn't even exist in 1997. Well, then he's just some fucking guy in a navy blue sports sports jacket. <laughs> and he's my guy. And we can point this stuff out to each other on the next episode of our emergency season because we're going to be riding side saddle. Hell yeah. That's going to be fun. Crack open the beers. Oh, dude. Um, We should watch at a bar or something. A swimming pool? I don't know. Let's get creative. A public space. Uh, That'll do it for this episode of our emergency season. I hope you're enjoying it. I hope it's keeping you company during this unprecedented time. Tim? Yes? I've searched for precedent. Yep. Do you think I found it? I don't think you did. The bubonic plague. The fastest way to a trillionaire's bank account is by murder most foul. Okay. We murder. wait, we accelerate, and then we strike. Okay. I like that. Yeah, let's kill Jeff Bezos. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.